Welcome to the Cody Felger Podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking Colts football. Here is your host, Cody Felger. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cody Felger Podcast. And today we have a special segment that we're going to start called Send In Saturday, where I have all the Colts fans send me in a question about the current state of the team or whatever they want, Colts-related, and we're going to answer them. So Derek and I are going to answer them. Derek, I think you're going to read me the questions, and then I'll give my take, and then you'll give your take. So we can start in, Derek, with question number one. All right, so the first question that we have here comes from Eric Seaman himself. He's first question, and his is, obviously there's no way of knowing this now, but considering the Colts' strength of schedule this season, which game at this time looks like it will be the most entertaining to watch? Yeah, I like this question a lot. Um, I think for me, there's a couple games that I'm going to be watching this season. Obviously, the divisional games are ones to watch, especially the against Houston. Um Another couple that I want to watch is, first off, the New Orleans game. I think that's going to be a really good game. I think they're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of when the Colts and Saints played the Super Bowl. Um, so that's going to be a really entertaining game to watch. It's going to be down there in New Orleans. Um, and so it'll be a really tough place to play. But I always love going down and watching uh, the Colts play in the Superdome. Uh, I think the one for me, though, that I'm the most excited for is that AFC uh, divisional round rematch against the Kansas City Chiefs. because. I think for a lot of people, uh, they think that the Colts, you know, obviously the Colts season ended last year in Arrowhead. Um, but I think a lot of people think that the Chiefs really didn't have a great offseason. I think they got worse on paper, at least I guess we'll see. Um, and the Colts on paper got a little bit better. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch and to see now if the Colts can make the game more interesting. Now if the Colts have more firepower. So I'd say that game for me is is the most intriguing to see. It's I think it'll be a, a really... Um, good test for the Colts and really a good gauge for them to see um, how far away are we for, from Kansas City, from that top seed last year, and where do we kind of stack up in the pecking order of the AFC. So, yeah, for me, definitely the Kansas City game is the game that I'm going to watch. Yeah, like all those, all those games that you mentioned are going to be very uh, important for the Colts season. But I think the one game that I am most uh, entertained to watch at this moment will be the New Orleans Saints game down in, uh, obviously, in New Orleans. I, I like it, one, because it's close to my birthday. Uh, so that definitely will be an early surprise birthday if uh, present if the Colts end up beating New Orleans for sure. But the reason I say that is because these two teams are some of the most in-depth and are some of the most talented rosters in the NFL, even if a couple of players get hurt. And obviously, it's going to be a loud atmosphere. Uh, this is Those are the kinds of games that you really want to see your team thrive in. And not to mention, it'll be at the end of the season where both teams are desperately trying to get those last couple wins to be able to get into the playoffs and influence their seeding. And obviously, you got a top five matchup in quarterback between Andrew Luck and Drew Brees. You got some very talented wide receivers and offensive lines and a couple of good running back matchups. These two teams just are so alike on paper in a lot of ways. And that's why just the matchup itself just seems like it's going to be a really fun time. You just, again, wonder, parring, uh, bearing injury, you know, that's kind of be, going to be the one thing that influences how this game goes. 
Uh, hopefully, both teams will be at full power, mostly full power be, uh, to start this game. I think that one certainly is going to be the most entertaining for me to watch for this season. And now on to our second question, which comes from Austin Jabs. Uh, He says, I'm a Packers fan and my wife is a Colts fan. I have adopted the Colts as my second team and enjoy seeing them do well. Also hints that Carol Phillips will be a beast for Indy. Says his wife refuses to root for Green Bay. So his question is, should she feel more obligation to support my team as I support hers? And I kind of already touched on this with him on Twitter as is. You know, I'm a huge uh, believer in that if you just get involved in other teams, it makes it better. I mean, obviously, I don't think that the relationship is going to hinder on whether or not she roots for uh, Green Bay and whether or not he roots for Indianapolis. But ultimately, when you... When you take two different teams and you didn't really like the other team beforehand, if you want to build that part of the relationship that you have and you want to get, you know, if you want to end up rooting for, not even rooting for your team, if you're just involved with your other, your partner's team, that ultimately can make you feel as if, you know, you're more involved and not just throwing yourself off into the distance. Like, you know, I don't know many Michigan fans, but if I was a Michigan fan, if I, since I'm an Ohio state fan, if I'm talking to a Michigan fan, at least then I can kind of understand where they're coming from. I can give them, uh, you know, some insight on anything. Ultimately you do want to try to support the other's team. Obviously you have no obligation to root for them, but if you're going to be fans of different teams, it's at least, oh, it's at least a good thing to at least be involved with that other person's team. So you can have conversation and make it seem like you actually care about that other person's team, even if you're not rooting for them. Austin, great to hear from you. Well, obviously I'm not in a relationship right now. I'm not married, so I don't have experience with this firsthand right now, but You know, I think of it kind of like this if I was in a relationship. Say, you know, so I'm a Notre Dame football fan and basketball fan. Say, you know, my significant other was somebody who supported Michigan State, for example. You know, it's not like we're not rivals, but I don't necessarily like that team. Um, I think for me it would be more of a thing where I don't think you necessarily have to root for them. Um, But I think, you know, you can watch games and stuff like that and be willing to just do those things because – Come on, man. Marriage is a partnership, right? And, uh, you know, sometimes you that, that requires you to do things. And it sounds like you've you've done that, Austin. And, you know, just being supporting the Colts that doesn't necessarily mean you have to root for them. But I think it's kind of like that. I think that's that's kind of where I would come from um, if if I had somebody who rooted for a different team than me. You know, not necessarily that I'm rooting for them, but I'll watch some games. And if they do well, I won't be upset. I'll be happy for that person. So that's kind of what I have. Uh, that's kind of my take on it. Sorry, we couldn't answer a little bit more, Austin. Derek and I were just joking a little bit. We're like, oh, neither of us are in relationships, so we can't super relate to that. But, you know, in the event one day that we are, um, this is a good thing to think about. So thanks for the question. All right, and our next question here, and just a disclaimer before I go any further. If I say your name wrong or I pronounce something wrong or don't say something right, I apologize. I truly do. I'm not the greatest with names, as some people are, but... Uh, our next question comes from at M3REcat. I'm guessing is Meerkat is what we're trying to go with here. Uh, the next question is from him is, 
will the Colts be elite without a fullback on the roster? And he gives the hint of there is a correct answer. So, Cody, go ahead. Meerkat, great to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Um, <laughs> love this question. Uh, so, will the Colts be elite without a fullback on the roster? Well, I think last year, um, Ryan Hewitt was that guy. I think he was kind of like, he was a tight end slash fullback hybrid. Um, and I think that the Colts kind of have a couple of those guys on the roster. Obviously, we've seen Jack Doyle do it for years. Um, and I think that if Hale Hentges, um, uh, ho- hopefully he fulfills my prediction and has a really strong next three games of the preseason and makes the final roster. Excuse me. Um, but I think that he, if he makes it, he could probably be that, that fullback type player that, that uh, they had last year with Hewitt. Um, so I think that they definitely can. Uh, I think the Colts will definitely want that, you know, for those power back um, formations with, you know, if Spencer Ware comes back or, you know, whoever they have with Jonathan Williams, whoever that power back is, maybe Jordan Wilkins too. Um, I think that they, you know, they definitely want to have those formations. So I think it's good to have a, you know, a player who's specifically good at, really good at run blocking. I think the Colts have a couple of those guys in Doyle and uh, potentially Henches. So I think if they're on the roster, I think the Colts, no, I don't think it's a necessarily a need, but I think that's something that the Colts really were looking to add this this uh, this offseason was finding that power back guy. Because, you know, Jordan Wilkins, we saw in that Jacksonville game last year, like he, how short was he from scoring? Like he was a few inches from scoring. And so the Colts really are looking to improve that power back. Um, and so maybe that's Jordan Wilkins getting bigger, but I know he's missed the last couple days of practice. Um, and then they signed Dante Foreman, obviously. And then Jonathan Williams, I thought, had a pretty, really strong preseason debut last a couple days ago. Um, so I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but I think that, that they definitely want to improve in that. And I think that could ultimately make them an elite team. All right. Yeah. And to answer your question, um, will they be elite without a fullback on the roster? Yes, they will be elite without a fullback on the roster. Now, granted, having a guy that can play the full, the quote unquote fullback position definitely is a, is definitely a plus because especially when you get inside the five yard line or you're getting an obvious rundown situations, uh, and the Colts have preached that over the last year, they want to continue to run the ball better and way to run the ball better is having a guy that can move in front of your running back, pick up a, a guy that's coming through the gaps and that is a good way to increase the run game. So, yeah, like like Cody already said, there's plenty of guys that have done that for the Colts in the past, and I'm sure they have a few guys in there that are going to pl- potentially play that fullback position, even though I think that you'll see Andrew Luck probably in the, in the uh, shotgun formation a lot more this year, given some of the players he has and some of the things they might do with him. But I do think... And, and this will probably answer your question. I've already answered it, but I mean, they will, they will have somebody that's going to probably play the fullback position sometime and it will help them within the run game as it usually does for a lot of teams. All right. And our next question goes to what we got here. Nick Pleck uh, at Kelper seven. And his question is why is Andy always broken? And, uh, I can tell you why, uh, it's a pretty simple question that, you know, we've we've continued to say for numerous, numerous times that, you know, Grigson was the main reason why he was, you know, the way he was for the longest time. He's been hit more times than any other quarterback in, in the NFL during that time. And, 
you know, that's just what happens when you take a lot of beating. And in regards to the calf, I don't know. I mean, calf calf strains happen to a lot of people. All athletes get stuff with their calves. And the thing is, is that, you know, the calf strain, as bad as it sounds right now, you know, it's not as, uh, I don't think it's quite as bad as some people think it is. Of course, you know, it's lingering. I get it. And that's why they're being extra cautious. And we're going to, we're going to hold off to explain it, uh, because there's another question in here that wants us to go a little more detailed into Andrew Luck. So I'm sorry to be a little blunt there, but yeah, I mean, why is he always broken? I mean, as unfortunate as it is, I know I really hate that, you know, he has to, we have to deal with it, but again, it's best for the team. If we just keep him out right now, doing what we're doing. And I mean, hopefully with the way this team's going in right now, we can prevent those injuries that could keep him out for much more extended period of time. Yeah, Derek, I think you basically touched on all of what I was going to say. Simply, why is Andy broken? I don't think Andy's broken anymore. I think simply the Colts are being very cautious, like you've already talked about. And I've I've asked this question multiple times, and hopefully people will understand where I'm coming from, finally. Um, But basically, it's like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Andrew Luck try to rush out there, play in the preseason, potentially re-injure that calf even more, suffer another setback and be out for months? Or would you rather him be cautious? I mean, the Colts have, what, four more Sundays till they're in L.A. playing the Chargers. Would you rather him gradually work back and maybe even you know get some team practices in, um, but just be as cautious as they can? So, you know, when Andrew Luck's out there, you know, maybe, maybe he's 100%, maybe he's not, but he's definitely the best that he could be um, for week one. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. That's kind of my mindset is like, just let them be as cautious as they want right now because honestly, Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck. He doesn't need the preseason to be a superstar. I mean, we've seen it. Andrew Luck missed the entire spring last year, and he was basically the runner-up for MVP last year. So um, Andrew Luck now in Frank Reich's system, I think he understands a lot of things. He has a lot of um, continuity with some of these guys, with Eric Ebron, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Chester Rogers, Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack, some of those guys, and even the offensive line. Um, so I'm not super worried about Andrew Luck. I don't think he's broken right now. I just think they're being very cautious and – Yes, like you said, it's hard to wait. Um, but from everything that I've seen, it looks like Andrew Luck's on the right track to return for uh, week one. All right. And our next question goes to what we got here. Nick Pleck uh, at Kelper7. And his question is, why is Andy always broken? And uh, I can tell you why. Uh it's a pretty simple question that, you know, we've we've continued to say for numerous, numerous times that, you know, Grigson was the main reason why he was, you know, the way he was for the longest time. He's been hit more times than any other quarterback in, in the NFL during that time. And, you know, that's just what happens when you take a lot of beating. And in regards to the calf, I don't know. I mean... Calf calf strains happen to a lot of people. All athletes get stuff with their calves. And and the thing is, is that, you know, the calf strain, as bad as it sounds right now, you know, it's not as, uh, I don't think it's quite as bad as some people think it is. Of course, you know, it's lingering. I get it. And that's why they're being extra cautious. And we're going to, we're going to hold off to explain it uh, because there's another question in here that wants us to go a little more detailed into Andrew Luck. 
So I, I'm sorry to be a little blunt there, but yeah, I mean, why is Andy always broken? I mean, as unfortunate as it is, I know I, I really hate that, you know, he has to, we have to deal with it, but again, it's best for the team. If we just keep him out right now, doing what we're doing. And I mean, hopefully with the way this team's going in right now, we can prevent those injuries that could keep him out for much more extended period of time. All right. So our next question comes from Dylan Talbot. Uh, and his question is, do you think that, do you think that luck will be back by week one? He says, I sure hope so, but it's looking kind of bleak right now. Yeah, I feel like we just answered this question a little bit. I think that Andrew Luck's on track to look to play week one. I mean, all signs point to that. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, You know, obviously, if he suffers another setback, that's a different story. But as it looks right now, um, Luck seems like he's on schedule for week one. Yeah, same here as Cody. Uh, obviously, it looks pretty bland right now because, you know, the the longer it takes for him to get back, the more we start to speculate. But again, Andrew Luck has been through a lot worse and we've not questioned it as much before. So let's just kind of, you know, honk on the brakes a little bit here because I think that we're okay. I'm 95% positive he is going to start week one. Like he said, and Frank Reich has said this too, said that if he had to play week one, then he would play week one. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Obviously, they want to make sure he gets to be as close to 100% as he possibly can get. So I do believe he will be ready for week one. Our next question comes from Feeling Free at MyChloeGirl6124. And her question is, do you think luck missing practice will cause the Colts to start the season really slowly. I assume your name is Chloe. So thanks Chloe for sending in the question. Um, I think that this is something that's very intriguing. And I was listening to a podcast the other day that was kind of talking about this. Um, The Colts have not won a regular season opener since I think 2013. So that was when they played the Raiders and Terrell Pryor was the starting quarterback for the Oakland Raiders at that point. So I think that that's something that the Colts are aware of and that they want to stop bucking the trend. I think uh, last year was like the first time they hadn't started 0-2 in a long time either um, when they won against the Redskins. And so um, I think that even with luck, that's something that the Colts kind of have to shake is, is starting off slow. But I think certainly um, without luck, the Colts could potentially look at starting slow again. But um, especially you think look at the opponents that the Colts have the first couple of weeks. I mean, they started L.A. and then they have a couple more just playoff teams, really good teams that they're going to be facing Um, So I think it's important for the Colts to get off to a really good start because unlike last year's schedule, um, they don't have those easy teams that they can play and potentially come back from like a one and five start like they were last year. So I think it's key for them to start fast this year and even going 500, I think will be a good step in the right direction. Um, But I think they can't afford to go, you know, 0 and 2, 0 and 3, 1 and 3. They have to start winning games and they have to start winning now if they really want to be considered as a contender and if they want to you know, win the AFC South and even be in the playoffs this next year. Yeah, when you look at this Colts uh, schedule ahead uh, in the first five weeks, obviously you see that uh, they'll have to face the Chargers, which if you already listened to my other podcast, you would know that I already had the Colts losing that one just because it's it's just how the Colts are a lot of times when it comes to season openers, especially when you're facing uh, the Chargers. 
And then week five, you obviously got the Chiefs. So in the first five weeks of the season, we're already facing two of the top 10 best teams in the NFL. But at least in there, we have, and we do have to face the Titans, which again, will most likely be a win because we've beaten them 17 times out of our last 20. But I mean, ultimately it is a divisional rival and it's the second week of the season. So it, it always brings a level of uh, anticipation, but we are facing a Titans team that's still searching for their quarterback. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, who basically have no defense at this point, and the Oakland Raiders, which are obviously in a weird mess of emotions right now, as is. So I think we do pull out a couple of uh, a couple of wins, and despite Andrew Luck not being in training camp and all these other things. You do bring up a good point. You know, that was kind of how the last season started out. It was Andrew Luck had to take some time to get used to throwing the football, being back in in game motion and everything. And he, his receivers had to catch up with him. So it took him a while. But once he finally got there, I, I think it's different this time because Andrew Luck has been in constant contact with these guys and he's been throwing the ball like he's not been hindered with a throwing motion or anything. It's just a calf strain. It's not the shoulder problem. So he has been throwing and he has been doing other stuff. It's just the fact that he just hasn't been competing in the actual drills. So there might be a slow start, but it won't be as drastic as what, uh, as what it was beforehand. All right. Our next question comes from Nick at NDP underscore sports. And his question for us is, who do you think will be the fourth and fifth wide receivers to make the roster, considering we don't go with six wide receivers? Well, and I'll start with this one, and I think that uh, all of us are in agreement here that T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches, and T- uh, Paris Campbell are going to be those three guys. And if we're looking for just the fourth and fifth wide receivers... I, I, it's truly hard for me to think the Colts will only go four, uh, four and five guys, but we'll stick with your question here. I think that the other two that make it are, it's, it's going to be Dion Kane because Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, again, have so much hype into this kid. They love him. So that's what I truly think is going to happen with him. And that fifth one, it, it's... It's either it's going to be a competition between Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal, and maybe one other guy. And at this point, I know Colts fans don't want to say Chester Rogers, but I think at this point, the Colts just want Chester Rogers because of his ability to play special teams more often than other guys. I think that's just why they prefer to have him now. We've seen Naheem Hines and a couple other guys playing uh, punt return and kick return. So maybe they're trying to find that replacement in that position instead of Chester Rogers to maybe give a guy like Zach Pascal the opportunity to make this roster. I don't know. But I think if I had to go with the fourth and fifth guys right now, given what we've seen and what we've known from the past, is that Right now, it's in my opinion, is Deion Kane and Chester Rogers being the fourth and fifth guy. Nick, thanks for the question, man. Um, I think right now, obviously, Derek talked about it. We, I think the number three, number one, two, and three are pretty locked in. 
Um, I kind of think that Chester Rogers is honestly more of a lock to make that roster now, um, as I've you know heard of the Colts speak about Chester Rogers. And here's a quote um, that I wanted to read from Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. Um, he said, I just want to continue to see that from Chester. So he was praising Chester Rogers, saying he had a really good camp. He says, I want to, I want to continue to see that from Chester because he's built up a lot of trust up in us, coaches, and his teammates. So to me, Derek, that kind of speaks a few things to me. Um, first off, the Colts obviously trust Chester Rogers, and you mentioned the whole punt returning thing. Um, and I think that's huge because the Colts tried that obviously last year with Naheem Hines. Um, didn't go very well, and then they tried it again this year with Paris Campbell a little bit, and I've heard he hasn't really had sure hands. And so I think with Chester Rogers, you have a guy who, yeah, he's not flashy. Yeah, he may not be spectacular, but he's consistent, and he's a sure-handed punt returner, and I think that's what the Colts need, honestly. You don't need a guy that's going to potentially break one, not to say Chester Rogers couldn't, but you know you don't need a guy who's, you know, if he can't hold on to the ball, then what's the point? Who cares if he can run, you know, four three forty? Like, it doesn't matter. You have to, ball security it comes first. Then you know we've even mentioned this, Derek, um, on the podcast before. Like when you're you know on the back end of the roster, whether it's at wide receiver or whether it's at cornerback, um, you when you're you're not going to probably see the field a whole lot. You're not going to see a lot of offensive snaps. But it comes down to special teams, and against Chester Rogers is really good at special teams, um, and he can provide a lot of things for the Colts there. So that's why I think he's a lock there. Um, I think, you know, if we don't go six, if the Colts don't go six, I think that probably it'll be Deion Kane that'll get the nod just because, you know, the Colts are really high on him. And, I mean, honestly, I think he, out of all the guys that are vying for that number five spot, he's definitely got the most talent. Um, I think he's shown the most right now from any guy. I think a lot of those Colts receivers had pretty good days um, on, on in the first preseason game. But I think Deion Kane now is learning to trust his body like we talked about, learning to shake off some of the rust. Um but, I mean, honestly, like, when Chris Ballard was asked about why Deion Kane fell all the way to the sixth round, um, he didn't have a good answer. Like, he didn't know why he fell to the sixth round because, I mean, let's think about, like, Deion Kane for a second. I mean, he was the number one receiver there for those Clemson teams that went to the national championship, won the national championship. I mean, he was the number one guy for Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, to answer your question, I would say Chester Rogers and then Deion Kane. All right, and the next question that we have is from Mark Miller, and his question is, and this is kind of a good question since now we've had a year to think about it now, what would have been the trajectory of Luck's career right now if McDaniels hadn't backed out of being the Colts head coach? Mark, thanks for the question. Uh, this is a really good question. I had a little bit of trouble figuring out how to answer this one, honestly, um, but so I think for me, this is kind of what I'm going to say. I don't think the Colts offensively would have been much better or much worse. I think uh, as far as a schematic standpoint, I mean, Josh McDaniels, I mean, heck, he's led the Patriots to, you know, obviously Bill Belichick has, but he's been a part of so many Super Bowl teams and elite offenses that I think the Colts offense still would have been pretty good. Um, but I always go back to what Chris Ballard has said about character and about the locker room. Um, and I go back and think about last year when the Colts were sitting there at one and five and Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have kind of talked about it. It's about those guys with character, right? Whenever they're one in five, it's like they had their that players only meeting and decided like this is not going to happen anymore. And you know, obviously, we, we you know they went when won like well, how many games? Nine out of ten games, and um, you know finished ten and six and made the playoffs and even won a playoff game. And so I think that might have been a little bit different. I mean, I don't know if the Colts would have done that if they wouldn't have had the character of Frank Reich 
leading the way. I don't know if it would have been a disaster. Who knows what it would have been? It's just, you know, obviously you can't tell. And, um, but I think overall, I think that it, you know, it, it would have been, I don't, I think from an Andrew Luck standpoint, it probably wouldn't have been look, looking much different as far as stats are concerned and the offensive efficiency is concerned. Yeah, Cody pretty much took the words right out of my mouth there. Uh, no need to elaborate more on it. He's right. I, I don't think that Andrew Luck would have been any much different. It would have maybe been a little different, but again, it is the it's the locker room, it's the culture. Again, it's just how it's just how everything else has gone, and Frank Reich's calm demeanor and uh, competitive nature has pretty much willed this team to where they're at. And I just don't know if McDaniel's has that, and that's what uh, probably would have affected the Colts more as uh, less of Andrew Locke. All right, and the last question that we have is from Indiana Sports Watcher, and his question was, is how serious is the Paris Campbell injury? And Cody and I were just talking about it. Uh, obviously, Paris Campbell has been dealing with some uh, hamstring problems over the last week and a half to two weeks. Uh, it's kind of had him sidelined from time to time. And uh, Frank Reich just said the other day that the injury is a day-to-day injury. Uh, he expects... Uh, Paris Campbell to be back sometime early this next week. They're just monitoring it just to make sure, but nothing serious there. Uh, They're just keeping him out for a few days to let him uh, rest that up. But we should expect Paris Campbell to be back on the field for the Colts uh, against the Browns in practices starting next week. Okay, well, I think that wraps up this segment of Send In Saturday, our new segment that we're going to try to do every Saturday. So um, we'll probably be back next Saturday. Be sure to send your questions in. We'll probably try to record before the Colts play the Browns next Saturday. Um, And so be sure to send your questions in. Um, I look forward to doing this more and more as the Colts season starts to ramp up and hope to hear from you guys. And thank thank you, everybody, and have a great week, and go Colts. 